Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. In today's podcast, we take a look at what's involved for someone who might want to volunteer as a scripture teacher in their local primary school. And we hear about one person's motivation for doing so and the challenges he had teaching scripture to a wide range of students. Koshik, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Peter. So the reason we're chatting today is that you've been uh, volunteering to teach the Hinduism scripture class. Yes. Uh, at a local primary school. Yes. How did this happen? Well, uh, my firstborn daughter, this, uh, uh, she's a six-year-old, and she is in year one at this primary school. Um, and as you know, I'm Indian um, and I guess Hindu by birth. Um, and I'm married to an Australian uh, woman. Um, and so we're, we're a half-half household and uh, one of the things I think uh, my wife wanted was to make sure my kids know enough about their Indian side given that we live in Australia now and it's I guess um, harder to access compared to when we were in India so one of the ways we thought we would do that is by her attending Hinduism scripture classes in her school Um, and I volunteered because um, these scripture classes are obviously done by um, by volunteer teachers generally parent teachers and I think the last one we had uh, was in and out Um, she wasn't very reliable so we thought we should kind of have an over overhaul I guess of, of the teaching staff for Hinduism and now there are two of us I'm still, I'm only a, a part-timer, as in I'm not a part-timer, I'm, I'm more the substitute teacher in case the other Hindu teacher can't make it. So, and it's only happened once so far, so I stepped in. <laughs> so it sounds like, from what you're saying, that this is not coming from a deep religious conviction, it's more about cultural uh, values. Yes. Uh, transferring that. Yes, yes. I guess, I mean, I grew up in a, in a fairly religious family, um, not crazy conservative, but we we understood our religion, we understood the practices and the culture, and the and the values that came with it. I guess fairly well. It was it was um, ingrained in us growing up, but then as you get older and you know travel the world and meet more people, and you suddenly realise that we all have possibly the same. Values. We just come at it from different ways, and then obviously the the religious fervor that sits behind those values, I guess, tends to go away. Um, so we're not no, we're not religious by any stretch. But I think I understand enough about my religion. I know the stories. I know the the the, the lessons it's trying to pass, which was possibly the main reason. Uh, why I volunteered to do this in the first place because I know enough about my culture which I think I can pass on to the next generation or so I thought. 
Right. So you're not a, a Hindu priest. You're kind of an a- amateur. <laughs> I, I am. I am a hardcore amateur. I'm a professional amateur. <laughs> and in re- and in uh, professionally, you're a lawyer. Is that correct? I am. Yes. 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 I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an in-house lawyer, mm-hmm. and I used to be a litigator as well. So mm-hmm. any chance mm-hmm. to just talk before an audience and. Kids are a captive audience. <laughs> so, do you have to do any course to be to become a volunteer scripture teacher? Uh, there is a basic course which um, is is driven by uh, what's called the Vishwa Hindu Parishad, uh, which is the Hindu uh, um, um, body, I guess, uh, which also has has presence in Australia, and I think they have some links with. Uh, the Department of Education, and so they they are the the approved <laughs> providers of Hinduism, if you will. So you you didn't have to do any. For our listeners, we're we're talking about this uh, happening in a New South Wales public school in Australia. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. But, but so did you have to do anything with the, via the education department to be allowed to? to teach this class? Uh, obviously, you go through your probity checks for kids and all that, which is basic. Uh, given uh, the Vishwa Hindu Parishad, the VHP, they have some um, modules, which uh, I think the New South Wales Department of Education is approved as being the right uh, portions, I guess, of, of, of scripture that can be taught to kids in the school. And Vishwa Hindu Parishad, uh, is the body that approves it, and and they're very moderate, so you don't find dogmatic stances on Hinduism coming through that body. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Vishwa Hindu Parishad is the is the gatekeeper for for Hindu scripture in at least New South Wales. Hmm. Someone once told me that uh, Hindu Hinduism is not so much in India so much as a, a religion alone, but more uh, a series of rituals. And in a cultural sense, uh, is that a fair assessment or a fair summary of the situation? And if it, if if it is, how are you approaching these classes from a religious angle, or from a ritual angle, or from a cultural angle, or just stories? What what t- tell us the approach? It's a, it's a good question. Um, at least the way Indians commonly tout Hinduism is that it's not a religion; it is a way of life. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the that's the catch cry that I've heard growing up. Um, but having said that, now I realise I think every, any religion could say that because <laughs> because what I guess it has done is given given how long religions have been around and the generations of people that that have gone through that that particular I guess way of life. Um, it it comes down to a sum total of your rituals and practices, all your beliefs and and your values are embodied in these rituals and these practices. Um, when you say rituals, I guess it gives it a bit more, um, a bit of a pagan feel, probably, or, or something a bit more, um, <clears throat> I don't know, cultish, probably even. Um, I, and Hinduism certainly has its share of that, uh, as you yourself know with, with your association with India, there's definitely some rites and rituals and practices that we go through, um, which are pretty old world and probably some might say irrelevant at this point. Um, I certainly don't approach 
uh, my scripture class through that. Uh, I don't speak of the rites and the rituals at all. I try to focus, or I, I do it through stories, um, stories that I grew up listening to. Um, talks about the Indian gods, what what they did, and as you know, Hindu gods are all a representation of some facet of our natural life. So there would be a god for food, there'll be a god for wind, there'll be a god for creation, there'll be a god for destruction. So everything is 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 uh, deified. Every natural um, element is deified in some way. So my my classes, I try to do it through uh, stories um, that I grew up listening to, um, and and see what what um, lessons we can learn from that story, what value system we can learn from that story. So it's almost a bit like Aesop's fables, if you will, but just using Indian stories rather mm-hmm. than Greek stories. Mm-hmm. And you you will have in your class kids ranging from. Kindergarten up to year six, I imagine. Yes, yes. So I think the youngest are the six-year-olds, and yeah, they go up to about eleven, and ten, eleven. Does it make any? Do they all kind of get what you're talking about? Are you pitching? Do you have to pitch differently to different age groups in that class? That that and that's certainly a challenge, and sometimes that's. And as a teacher, I think I, I question how effective these classroom settings are where you get such a vast range of uh, age difference between students because and as you know Peter it's talking to a six-year-old and then a seven-year-old requires a different you know uh, hat compared to speaking to a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old they um, they're insight into into the statements you make are very different from um, from what a 10-year-old or 11-year-old does. Um, so I, that is something I've certainly found challenging because, uh, yeah, you, you, you feel you're not being authentic. <laughs> so, Koshik, given that you've just mentioned that the age range is, is a little, little challenging, what advice would you have for other parents who may wish to, or, or not even parents, grandparents, members of the community who may wish to volunteer to do scripture classes for their particular religion? Um, it is, look, that's a good question. And I, I've certainly found it challenging in in my class is growing up when when we used to ask questions that challenged the, say the authenticity of a story, a religious story. Generally, you were just asked to shut up and not question things beyond a certain measure. Because obviously, as I've realised now, they, my parents and my the elders in our community themselves didn't have the answers. And kids, in, and I'm sure we've, we've all experienced it in different parts of our in different ways, where kids ask you some pretty curly questions which don't have straightforward answers. Uh, and religion certainly falls into that. Scripture certainly falls into that bracket where after a point, you you know, you don't have cogent answers to, to good questions from kids. It's de- and certainly not answers that kids will understand. 
um, well. And I guess with kids from ranging for ages from six to, to 12, uh, their, their perception of the answer will be different depending on their, their age and their, their knowledge. So that's pretty hard, I imagine. Correct. So when you're trying, as it is, when you're trying to tackle these uh, hardballs from kids, I think it becomes even harder, like you said, when, the, when that age range is so different. And you only have half an hour to get to your point across in a particular class. And so sometimes I feel I'm not being authentic because... I'm trying to find a fine balance which is going to answer a question that a six-year-old, say, raised in class, but the 12-year-old is waiting to find out the answer for. And I'm trying to find a way to couch that answer, which both the 12-year-old and the six-year-old can take away and make sense of it. Uh, and so that, that I find, is, is definitely a challenge. Um, but, yeah, for my, my message to um, parents who A, either put their kids in scripture class or B, want to teach kids scripture, volunteer to be scripture teachers for different religions, get ready to, to tackle some hard questions because you just, we don't live in an era where you can just ask kids to shut up and not question anymore. And, and I think the biggest takeaway is when you're trying to def defend a particular religion, it gets quite hard because obviously there is, you have to have that leap of faith after a point and kids cotton on to that very quickly. So I don't know, I don't know if I'm necessarily answering your question, but the point I want you to take away is it's probably going to be even harder for kids who attend scripture classes to almost follow that religion going forward because of the challenges within the system of you know, trying to answer curly questions um, to to such a vast age group, uh, not necessarily finding the conviction yourself to be able to do it. Interesting, Koshik. So actually, with, we don't want to get into this area of the value of these scripture classes, uh, but just to reflect that uh, dipping a child into a religious education for 30 minutes a week uh, probably on its own is uh, it's uh, they need the the religion in their whole life at home everywhere else to really make an impact i imagine i agree mm -hmm. i agree that's yes. that's certainly important mm -hmm. 30 minutes a week doesn't necessarily do it justice mm -hmm. either great koshik thank you so much for talking to us today thank you peter Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education. Music